and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, our dedicated Heart of Midlothian podcast with me, Laurie Dunsire, over in Scotland, joined by the man over in the States, Mark Donaldson. Doesn't really matter where you are, does it? Still disappointment, Laurie, after what <laughs> happened at Murrayfield on Sunday. Aye, but you, you've got less people to give you any stick about it. Surely you can hide from it there and it's not going to be back page headlines, is it? Unlike some, all my Twitter followers, I believe, are real. Um, so yeah, they can all give me abuse if they want. I've had, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't seek confrontation. I don't post things for the sake of it. I don't give hot takes just because a, no one's interested, and and b, what's the point? There's others that, that do that, and um, I put five things that I, I kind of not learned on Twitter about the game, but that I thought was was pretty fair, and nobody disagreed, which. I think as we discuss the game, um, as we're going to do, we said it, and I'm not going to go back now, we said it, that we're not just going to be cheerleaders um, when when things don't go as we would wish. Uh, I think it's important for us to delve into why they didn't and uh, and then move on. And like a sticky plaster, let's just uh, rip it straight off and uh, get straight into something that um, isn't going to be nice to talk about, but of course we have to. Sunday... Hearts played in the much-anticipated Betfred Cup semi-final in the capital at Murrayfield in front of over 61,000. And safe to say, Mark, it was built up, it was a big occasion, and it was, in the end, a massive letdown, to be honest. It deserved to be built up. It was a big game. It was a huge crowd. Um, And I don't know if there's something in the armband at Tynecastle. Castle. <laughs> no. if, if, if there's anything else that we could wear to signal the fact that our captain is whoever he is, rather than give him an armband, because it seems to come with uh, with an injury diagnosis as well. You know what this reminded me a bit of, Laurie, when, when Stephen Naismith got hurt, um, being at Hamden in May 1996, when Gary Locke was injured and had to be replaced after just eight minutes. Um, Same minutes? And it, yeah. Eight minutes, yeah, yeah. He 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 had to go off as well, and it just took the air out of the team. And it took, I mean, Hearts never recovered. It took them Rangers until what thirty odd minutes to open the scoring. Um, took Celtic longer, but I just, I just felt that when you've when you've lost a leader like that, the last couple of weeks we've spoken about Stephen Naismith in depth and called him. I certainly called him the heartbeat of the football club mm-hmm. um, on the pitch, certainly. And when you lose someone like that, that's that's a massive blow. And it was as if the players didn't really have someone to turn to. And uh, well, the penalty was uh, was soft. Um, if it's given against us, we're really frustrated. If it's given for us, we're like, who will take that? It was given against us, so we were frustrated. The second goal, unfortunate for Bobby Zamal, and the third goal's a worldie. Um, just disappointed in that against Rangers. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot here. Um, a couple of things went against us. I didn't think the substitution was the correct one. I'm not going to come out and shoot it, sugarcoat it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll speak about that in the next few minutes as well. Yeah, there's a few things, I think, to cover in the match. And first up, I suppose the obvious thing is team lineup. Now, we spoke about Ibrox in the aftermath of Hart's only other defeat this season, obviously to Rangers 3 1. 
earlier this month, and one thing that we highlighted from that game was the the lack of width in the middle of the park. Hearts had four players in midfield, none of who were wide midfielders. They had three central midfielders in one, I suppose, striker stroke attacking player in Stephen Naismith that day. For Sunday's game, they just had four straight out central midfielders in there. And I, I, I think I understand what Craig Levine was trying to do, which was completely stifle Celtic in terms of an attacking threat. But personally, and I'm not a football manager, and I'll, as we've mentioned before, we we're not going to question Craig Levine in terms of where he should be and that he's anything but the best man for the job at Hearts. I'm not sure that was the right call, though. I agree. I agree. After the Rangers game, we questioned why Callum Morrison um, wasn't playing. Like the bottom line is, Callum Morrison's not the saviour. He's not some one hundred million pound kid that's the answer to all of everybody's problems. But Callum Morrison has proved in the system that he has been played in this season that he, for me, deserved to keep his place in the team. We spoke about this on last week's episode about what we would go with, and and both of us had him in the team. Um, it might not have worked, and and I listened intently to Craig Levine beforehand in his pre-match interview saying he went with experience. Fine, I I get that. I've got no problem with him saying that. Um, but I think that Callum Morrison, uh, I think if you're good enough, you're old enough. And the issue for me, to an extent. Um, when just facing Rangers and Celtic this season is we have given them too much respect. Mm -hmm. We have given respect to whoever Rangers are, like Rangers that they used to be. We've given respect, too much respect to to Celtic with that team selection um, to an extent and in that we've worried about them more than they clearly have worried about us. That wasn't a good Celtic side in the first half. They were bang average. They were very good in the second half because they have got a coach who identified he didn't need, never mind two defensive midfielders, he didn't even need one. So he, he was able to do that. And again, um, I, I don't have any complaints about the result because Celtic were by far the better side. The complaints I've got are that I felt the team selection uh, initially um, was not what we were hoping for. And again, I said last week, I'm not going to criticise um, based because he knows better than us. I would have played Morrison, fine. Um, and I just felt in the first half, we showed them too much respect and that it was a case of let's get to halftime at nil-nil. This isn't the Celtic of Larson's and Sutton's and Petrov's. This isn't the Celtic that you spoke about last week that had beaten us 12 games in a row before Austin McCann scored that worldie to finally get Hearts a win. This is a Celtic who Craig Gordon wasn't playing because he's not the League Cup goalkeeper. Scott Brown, their heartbeat of their team, was injured. Lee Griffiths was injured. This was a Celtic team to have a go at. And I felt we missed an opportunity yesterday. And a Celtic team with Ibue Kuasi starting, who I've only seen him a handful of times. Two of the main ones were against Hearts, and I'm absolutely baffled as to how Celtic managed to be convinced to spend three million pounds on him no idea about that one obviously in the end it was irrelevant Celtic ran it winners I suppose another thing to pick up on early on in the game you touched upon it very briefly there Mark uh, so obviously Naismith went off we'll, we'll talk about that long term after the game but the replacement so Danny Amankwa 
came on. Now, this was first and foremost, he wouldn't have been, I think, many Hearts fans' first choice, or maybe second, third choice to, to come on at that point. One thing I struggled with, even when you get past the decision to put him on, now Danny Amanqua was signed as a winger. What we were sold was a blistering pace, you know, very direct, like to run at full-backs. He obviously had a bad injury, which took the wind out of his sails career-wise, and he was on the way back, which is the only reason Hearts managed to get him. So we had four central players playing in the middle of the park, so very little width, and we put on someone who we understand is naturally a, a winger, and he plays in the centre. Yep. I, I, really, I couldn't get my head around it. It was almost like, and I think you, you mentioned it before we, before we went on air, it was almost like having 10 men, and beyond his maybe quality or ability, he seemed to be in a, just a, a pointless area running about. I, I wasn't, I really wasn't quite sure what his role was meant to be there. Okay, let's get to this. Um, Hearts bench, apart from the goalkeeper Doyle, uh, Cochran, Garuccio, Hughes, Clare, Morrison, Amanqua. Craig Levine said something. He was asked about Callum Morrison before the game, and he said something. He he wasn't maybe not a hundred percent. Maybe he had a, a little bit of a, a kind of niggle or, or whatever, but he was he was still on the bench. So the two options for me were as follows: whether or not they were the right or the wrong options, it, it doesn't matter now. Uh, everyone's got their opinion, and, and the only one that matters was, was Craig Levine. Um, so I want to speak about Danny Amanco in a second, but I'm going to give you the two options that I think he, he had available to him in addition to what, what he chose. Um, Callum Morrison, if he didn't feel he could last 82 minutes, then, then that argument's done, it's over. But if Morrison comes on, you then play Bozanic on the left because he's naturally left-sided. You play Jum in a central position and you've got McLean in attack. Now, what Craig Levine, it's easy when you identify issues or so-called issues, um, but Craig Levine might have thought, you know what, I can make one change here and keep what we've been working on. This was an early stage of the game, eight minutes. They've worked on a shape for probably ever since the Dundee game. Um, they might have had a light session Wednesday, but certainly when, when they resumed their, their training exercises in preparation for the Celtic game, they would have worked on a shape. So maybe Craig Levine decided, you know what, I can bring him on and it won't alter my shape. Whereas the suggestions that I'm making just now would, would make changes to the shape. Um, so Morrison on would be one with Bozanic to the left and Jim behind McLean, although that would be three kind of personnel tactical changes. Um, the second one would be Garuccio on for Mitchell. Uh, sorry, Garuccio on with Mitchell moving forward. That would then allow Jum to play more central as well. We had this conversation last week. If you're going to do something like that, because you asked, do you think you'll start Mitchell or Garuccio at left back? I said Mitchell. Um, Dundee was the perfect opportunity to do something like that. So he felt maybe that it wasn't um, what he wanted. Again, there's going to be one, two, maybe three um, potential uh, kind of changes to the, the, the tactics. Um, so he's got Claire as well, which again might have been an option, but he, he chose a Manqua. So that's what we've got to dissect and, and discuss. Now, I put a comment out on Twitter as one of my five things. 
if Danny Amanqua is the answer, I don't know what the question is. It's nothing, and it's nothing personal against Danny Amanqua because I was excited when he came to the club because I saw him a few times play for Copenhagen. He's not a goal scorer. He scored one league goal and two domestic cup goals um, for for Copenhagen. He's not a striker. He is a winger with pace. He was out injured, and it was a, it was a no-brainer for Hearts. Bring him in, low wages, uh, with with big incentives. My issue here is this lack of game time. Three minutes he's played um, prior to to coming on for for Hearts this season, and I I don't want to I don't want to second guess here. I need to to look back. I th- I am sure there was a quote earlier this season made by Craig Levine about Danny Manqua not being ready and wouldn't be involved with the first team until he felt that he was ready once again. And I'm sure he said that. And if he didn't, I apologise for that. But it's not something I would make up because I'm sure I've, I've read it. So for a Manqua to come on for 82 minutes, if you're trying to tell me that he felt that someone who played three minutes prior to that was ready to play 82 when Callum Morrison wasn't, I'd be surprised at that. I was just surprised, Laurie, at the substitution and it didn't work out for Hearts because for me it was like playing with with ten men. It's not a personal attack. I've got nothing uh, nothing against Danny Amanqua, but I'd want someone that's at least showed something this season. Someone to come on who you could think, yeah, I remember that he did that. There was nothing from Amanqua, and I think it set him back rather than pushed him on. And what Hearts did have in the first half, I thought, was a fairly solid defensive display albeit against a Celtic team who weren't really going up the gears as Brendan Rodgers would have liked I think at half time we were having a chat in the press area and I said it's not been that bad defensively but I have absolutely no idea how we're going to create a meaningful opportunity in this game so it was almost like we're relying on Celtic not scoring and then when they did score the whole game changed they filled up with confidence and it was complete one-way traffic and in the end you know the better side on the day won with a comfortable margin and if it wasn't for the heroics of Bobby's Lamal it could have been four or five easily albeit the second goal is completely his fault I guess we'll go through very quickly in order though the first goal at the time I said penalty I'm obviously 70 80 yards away from it I'm looking at it from so the Ryan Christie's between me and Bozanic making the challenge. I could see him stick his foot out. Looked like he'd made a little bit of contact. Willie Collins a couple of yards away. Thought it was a penalty. Didn't seem to be any complaints from Bozanic or any other Hearts players. I have to say, seeing it again, I think it's harsh. Of course it's harsh. I think the bottom it's line, one... Yeah, uh, sorry, Laurie. The, the bottom line here is the, the Celtic player's going nowhere. It's a challenge you don't need to make. The minute you make a challenge... You give any referee a decision to make and you're inviting the referee to make a decision that you might believe is wrong. But if you don't make that challenge on a player that's going nowhere, there is no decision to be made. And it's one of these where I think these days it's always given as a penalty. But what annoys me is when they slow it down, zoom in and show, oh, there was a bit of contact. It is still a contact sport. Players are allowed to touch each other whether it's and that sounds wrong especially after Stephen McLean incident in the first half um (laughs) (laughs) poor choice of words there Laurie there is allowed to be contact so a challenge which involves contact between two players doesn't automatically make a foul it's whether the contact is enough to send the player down or commit a foul or impede him 
I think that gets lost a little bit sometimes. I think it's one of those penalties where I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be outraged for days or weeks. I don't think it really affected things overall. I think Celtic probably would have still won anyway, although it was a crucial moment. But for me, I think if you look at the laws of the game, in my opinion, it's not a penalty. I think he feels a touch, he takes a step past him, and then he goes down because he's felt a touch. I said something five minutes ago or so about kind of playing devil's advocate and that it's all about seeing both sides of the story and the anger we felt yesterday uh, based on the penalty being awarded against us. The other side to this story is the last time Hearts met Celtic in a semi-final. And yep. it was back in April 2012. Wasn't a penalty. Never. No danger. <laughs> never it was never a, a handball. Never a handball. Well, but we'll gloss over that. But, it, it's like, but, it, but it, Celtic's yes. equaliser in that game was offside. Oh, here we go. If your auntie had balls, she'd be young. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm getting this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing oranges with oranges. I'm not comparing apples with oranges. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's selectivism goes on so often these days about just forgetting certain things that might be important to to the cause. Um, I'm not saying, again, it's not two wrongs make a right, but let's not be hypocritical about this. It was soft. Um, if it had been given for us, we, we would have taken it and go, that's probably not given very often. It's just like the Aberdeen penalty awarded against them at Tyne Castle. I didn't think it was. I think we, it was really, said, really soft. And we said that yeah. as well. We, we, we did. But in that instance... Again, this is it's not revisionism, it's more selectism. Um, in that instance, I felt Arts could have had at least two penalties before that. So again, not two and two equaling five. Um, so let, let's not be too hypocritical in that we got a penalty back in 2012, which ended up leading to us having the best day of our lives. So here's one for you. And I was thinking about this before we came on air, and I don't really know what the answer is for me. It'll be interesting to get your take and what everyone else who's a Hearts fan thinks as well. You're offered one win prior to the Celtic game. And it's between the Celtic game and the Hibs game. You're going to win one and you're going to lose one. Which one are you taking? So between the League Cup semi mm-hmm. and, and the, the Derby. And the, the League Derby. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Which one are you taking? You're losing one, but you're <laughs> winning the other. So which one are you taking? Do I know that it's Aberdeen in the League Cup final when I make this nope. choice? No, I don't. because it's, it's before the Celtic game. <laughs> so I know, but I'm saying in this this made-up realm of being able to decide. No, no. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just saying to you, but everyone going to Murrayfield on Sunday, okay, 28,000 Hearts fans, everyone is asked, you're only allowed one win. You can have today, but you're going to lose on Wednesday. Or you can have Wednesday, but you're not getting today. What, what, are you, what are you taking? I'm probably going to take the Celtic game because it's a cup semi-final and it puts you one game away from winning a trophy. And I think Rangers and Aberdeen were both very beatable. I think Celtic are a much better team than both Rangers and Aberdeen. So if we beat them, it's a one-off game against two sides who I don't think are that much different than us. I think we have a slightly better team than Aberdeen this season, and I don't think there's much between us and Rangers, to be honest, when you look at the quality of the squad overall. The Derby, obviously, 
you hate to lose a derby, especially at Tynecastle. Doesn't happen very often, thankfully, but it's a league game. I still don't think we'll win the league. It's three points gone. Yeah, it's a big blow. It's a big defeat. But you have to pick the Celtic semi-final. Surely you have to pick that. It puts you 90 minutes away from a trophy in a competition that neither of us have seen Hearts win in our lifetime. No, no. You're right. Um, <laughs> just a tough one. And I think I think the majority would pick the Celtic game. I don't think it would be unanimous because there's people out there that live for wins over Hibs. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. I, it would put Hearts, if we win on Wednesday, it would put Hearts 11 points clear of them. Um, so it's a big one. But again, I, I, you want both. But if you had one, prob- probably Celtic. I don't want to dwell on Celtic too much in many ways in terms of us talking about it and Hearts as a team. The second goal, the only thing I'm going to mention about the second goal, now, it's a, it's a howler from Bobby Zlamal. And I, I said at the start of the season, I felt that Colin Doyle would be Hearts number one and I felt that Bobby Zlamal had a howler in him. This is, a, I suppose, his big howler. But strangely, I didn't think I would feel this way when it happened. I thought when it happened, I'd be like, right, get him out of the team, looked like he'd be a bomb scare early on, doing his strange warm-ups, just looked a bit eccentric. But I'm not feeling that way. I feel really sorry for him. I'm gutted that he made the mistake. But he performed brilliantly after it, kept us in it with a few terrific saves. And I just hope he bounces back. I think he's shown, and he's proven a lot of people wrong, and shown a lot of quality. And I think, I'm hoping, anyway... It's a one-off, or at least a one-off for a long period of time, anyway. Well, I think the I think the evidence is there, Laurie. If Bobby Zlamal was someone that, after a howler, would just go into his shell and just be a mess, we would have seen that. I thought he was outstanding after that. He, he produced some excellent saves. And I think he's been excellent all season. That save, in the, I think it was from Gary McKay-Steven against Aberdeen, was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he's been excellent. Absolutely excellent, and he's deserved his place. You're not dropping him after that. If he'd if he'd ended the game with another couple of howlers, then you you would have seen what his mental state was like. I've got no issues whatsoever um, about putting him between the pipes against Hibs. So the League Cup. Um, campaign is over again for Hearts. Diddy Cup. Yeah, we didn't care about that. We Cup, big team, big Cup. We team, we Cup. We can focus on the big two. The, the double, the, the double's still on. That's the main thing. But One they, final... know, they now say they've got they've got both. Just pointing that out. Okay. Okay. Big team, big Cup. We team, we Cup and big Cup. Oops. Uh, well, whatever. We'll we'll, we'll shut. Just them just beat them on Wednesday. Just hopefully beat them on Wednesday. One last thing about um, Sunday away from the on-field matters is the fact it was at Murrayfield, which was interesting. I've been there for Hearts games before, as you have, but never as mm-hmm. a never as a neutral venue for a you know competitive cup game. I did get a few bits of feedback from people who were there at the game, which I thought was quite interesting. Kevin Fallon messaged saying there was uh, too many Zoomers at the game. So there's a difference between creating an atmosphere 
and being a and being a fanny thought it was just our section until we left more outside far from being a family day out for some suspect quite a few parents and kids put off from coming back i, I mean in terms of behavior of fans or who was doing what on both sides i mean we, we can't really I suppose read too much into that in terms of being at Murrayfield, unless they're saying it's people who wouldn't have travelled to Hamden. There was a bit of angst amongst a lot of the Heart supporters, which was disappointing to see. Um, Bob Quinn, though, said that Murrayfield is a venue and full is great. He travelled from Lockerbie on the train and there was a mix of fans and no trouble. Haymarket after the game was busy, noisy but well organised. Should be used for more games, in his opinion. Andrew sustained one, two, three, four. Said he doesn't think Murrayfield or Hamden are particularly good footballing venues. One's a rugby stadium, the other's an obsolete football stadium. Do you think, when you compare the two, what would your preference be? Murrayfield. I think we're very good in Scotland at identifying issues without coming up with solutions. Hamden's no good. Murrayfield's no good. Yeah, but what would you do? It doesn't matter. They're no good. I like Murrayfield. Uh, brief story, because uh, I know we're trying to keep this one brief because we'll have a, another one after the Hibs game, uh, episode of Around the Funnel. Chris Robinson, boo, hiss, pantomime <laughs> villain. Bye, man. Um, back in the day, I was at Radio Forth and I got a call from um, his secretary. Would you like to come to Murrayfield? We're playing a closed-door friendly just to have a look at how it would be with, with Dundee. Um so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm a journalist. I was, I was a sports editor. It was, it was access that no one else was getting. I wasn't going to turn it down. I was never a particularly big fan of Chris Robinson, which was even more so when I, he came up to me in an airport and had a go at me for something that I didn't even do with regards to some comment that had been made about him. Um, but anyway, the Murrayfield experiment, uh, I, I was told by him that the top tier would be depending on the game, curtained off and the lower bowl would be in use and what I thought back then. And it was very difficult because it was totally soulless. It was a nil-nil draw. There was obviously no atmosphere. And it was interesting to hear Craig Levine's comments before the game because he he saw what the Rangers game was like last season with about 28,000 there. Uh, but this was different. I've been to Murrayfield many, many occasions for rugby. I love the place, especially for a Scotland-England game. And it's a wonderful stadium when it's rocking. It, it did feel quiet to me yesterday. Hearts fans didn't have much to, to shout about or to sing about. Um, I'm just glad it's not our home on a permanent basis because they were pretty far down the road back in the day with Calla Holmes and the sale of Tyne Castle that that Murrayfield, uh, and, and that was the first experiment that was going to go towards that being our permanent home and Tyne Castle being sold. All I would say is I'm glad that we got the chance to play there on Sunday and I'm glad we still have a home to go back to. Yeah, Cheesemeister said, I thought it was a terrific spectacle and a vastly superior stadium to Hamden. The only thing that ruined it for me was the game. Great fun on the tram in beforehand. And I think that's one thing a few people say, you know, it was a bit flat. I mean, I don't think you could blame the stadium for that. I think if it had been that Hearts performance in front of 80,000 Hearts fans inside Wembley, I, I think it would have been flat. Uh, it, of course yeah, it would have been. It was... If it had been, been at Hamden and it was the same scoreline, it would have been flat. And he would have said, oh, there was no atmosphere. You're never going to get an atmosphere when it's as one-sided as that. That just doesn't happen. Murrayfield, if that had been five minutes to go, nil-nil, both teams going at it, spaces galore, the noise would have been phenomenal. It wasn't. 
and that's not Murrayfield's fault. So Hearts lost to Celtic on Sunday, but what we had asked on the last podcast was for some good memories against Celtic. So um, let's get away from the, the the bad ones that we've just experienced. So we did get a couple of messages in. Ewan Pringle mentioned the boozied diving header uh, against Celtic, which was at Tynecastle under Jim Jeffries. Um, no, no, sorry, it's his next one. No, the boozied header were you covering that one mm-hmm. i think it was 2-1 um, i think it was in a game that saw celtic get someone sent off i should have checked this beforehand ismail buzid i think that was 2009 ah yes the, yeah the game at um at time castle michael stewart's penalty because that was funny because that was the game Stewart scored a penalty the last meeting, which was the League Cup quarter final at Celtic Park, and we got another penalty in the next game, and Stewart took it and scored, and it was boozied that uh, we got the second, and we won that two-one. It was still under Shaba Laszlo before he was replaced by Jim Jeffries. That was a, a cracking moment. It was Gary Caldwell who was sent off for Celtic that game. Uh, the other mentions, let's see what we've got. Well, you and Pringle also mentioned one I remember very well, which was under Jim Jeffries. It was when Hearts won 2-0, thanks to goals from Ian Black and David Templeton. That was in amongst that terrific run under Jim Jeffries. Again, similar to the present day when dreams of possibly mounting a title challenge emerged. And one thing I remember from that game at Tynecastle, it was during a period when... Celtic were particularly frustrated at decisions going against them and there was a lot of <laughs> uh, let's say a lot of um, theories running about and one of my favourite chants emerged sitting in the main stand that day was uh, it's a conspiracy as Hearts won 2-0 I think Commons got sent off I know Celtic got a red card anyway that night and uh, it just rubbed it in a little bit for those Celtic fans in the Roseburn end mm. uh, on a very good a very good evening for the Jampos just a, a couple others of, of self. I know I mentioned a few last week. Um, just personal ones that I really enjoyed, either being at as a commentator or, or as a fan. Um, Colin Cameron scoring twice at Celtic Park. Gary Naismith getting one, a three-two win in the, the first game of the new millennium, um, at, at Celtic Park was was certainly a good one. Um, Stefan Adam got a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time, no, I think the second time we played them after we won the cup. In '98, the following season, I mentioned the League Cup with uh, with Robbo's goal, um, and uh, yeah, there haven't been that many uh, that, that we beat Celtic, but there were just a few. Um, one of the ones that I'm sure we played them at Celtic Park with Joe Jordan. Um, it's on a. Is it the? It's on one of the videos. It's not the back for the Brink video. Um, we won two one there. Scott Crabb and John Miller, two goals in two minutes. Um, someone I think put the sports scene or Scott Sport version on YouTube of that one. That was that was certainly a good one uh, when we won there as well. Um, it's, it's just it's not it's not a fixture we've done particularly well at. Um, we did well um, in 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 stages. I just felt it was a chance lost on on Sunday. But we move on. We move on to the derby. On we onwards and upwards. So looking ahead to Wednesday. The big game, the the only game that really matters in Edinburgh. It's Hearts and Hibs, the Edinburgh Derby at Tynecastle. Um, now, 
I guess the big thing, Mark, looking ahead to this one now is who on earth do we put out on the field? And I'm, I'm obviously being slightly sarcastic with that. Uh, we have plenty of players. We've signed copious amounts of them in this summer, uh, which I guess we're probably relieved at now. But what we are missing, which we were missing beforehand anyway, is Bera, Suter, Uchi Ekpiezu. There's obviously a couple of others who wouldn't maybe be starters who were missing, but those were the big three. And now Stephen Naismith as well. And as you mentioned, three captains have already gone. Stephen McLean, well, he's probably going to face a suspension soon for his um, Vinnie Jones-esque antics on Sunday. Probably an injury soon as well. But we're limited in options in terms of the players who at the start of the season would have been straight into that first 11. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw at you who I would put out there as a team. Now, Dikamona is a doubt, but I'm hoping that the fact it just says doubt is that he will play. Otherwise, okay. we're, we're really stretching it. But So straight away, I'm just going to go in with it. I would go, if I was the manager, which I'm not, 4-2-3-1. Um, or let's call it, uh, depends how you look at it, 4-3-3. Bobby's Lamalan goals, Michael Smith right back, Ben Guruccio left back, Clevy Dikamona and Jimmy Jimmy Dunn in the centre. I'm going to have Ollie Bozanic and Ollie Lee slightly deeper in midfield. Mitchell left wide, Callum Morrison right wide with Jume supporting Stephen McLean. Okay, I am going to go with Bobby Zlamal in goal. Obviously, Aaron Hughes alongside Jimmy Dunn if Dikamona's not fit. Oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were just going to say Dikamona's <laughs> now definitely no, out. No, 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 no. Um, Michael Smith right back, Ben Garuccio left back. Mm-hmm. Um, so four at the back. Um, Dimitri Mitchell on the left-hand side of midfield. Callum yep. Morrison on the right-hand side of midfield. Ollie Lee and Arno Jum. Okay. Um... I'm going to place Craig Whiten. Ah, I I wondered if you might go there. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to play Craig Whiten, um, because I think I think Haring's out. Is that right? Yes, it looks it looks like yeah, Haring and it looks I mean, like ha- Haring's out. So. Haring and Naismith, it looks like are are almost definitely. Out. I've not actually heard the extent of the Naismith injury at all yet. It might that might have changed by the time people are listening to this, but it's seems to be kept under wraps. I, I fear the worst given his knee mm. injury history, but I've not heard, I've not seen anything confirming it, the long term mm-hmm. um, well, effects of it. Again, no point speculating, and I'll, I'll go with um, Stephen McLean behind Craig Whiten okay. uh, and a 4 4 4 1 1 for me. So only one personnel change between what we would go with, and I considered what you said there, so I've went with having Bozanik in there as well, having a bit more in the middle of the park, but no second striker and you've gone I suppose as close to I guess the lineup that's been successful for us this season I think which is the 4-4-2 and whether it was McLean and Naismith or Uche and Naismith but what I've done Laurie is I've gone for players that play in the position that I've selected them in well you know that's not gonna that's never gonna that's never gonna no I know I know but I won't catch on no this is this is just what I would do I'd, I'd play with players that are comfortable in the position that they're in um We'll wait and see. Again, it's very hard to to to, to make a, a team selection when you don't know who's going to be fit and and who's not. It's second guessing. We might get a big surprise in that some of the boys that are hurt um, of late are are available. I don't know. 
again, I just want us to pick the team based on what I think is the best team to, to beat Hibs, not worrying about the opposition. Because when we've done well this season, we've picked a team um, without worrying about the opposition. When we've not done well against Rangers or Celtic, um, we've we've showed due deference to, to them and I think we've given them too much respect. So hopefully we can get up and at them from the start. I think it's a good thing we've got a game straight away uh, after a Sunday defeat. I don't want to kind of simmer for a week and kind of fret about what went wrong. Let's get back in. I think training will be pretty pretty boisterous this week after the, the kind of disappointment. I think everyone will be chomping at the bit to make amends. And and fingers crossed. And we'll be back in, uh, what are we going to do, Thursday with a post-mortem or with a, a cele- celebration <laughs> of a, a podcast. Hopefully it's the latter, not the former. So are you? So we're going to come, we're going to come back later in the week, are we? So pre-Celtic as well. Yes. Is that okay? Oh, have, no. I, have I just given you extra work? I'm sorry. That's no. We'll, we'll work with it uh, as long as <laughs> you sounded like my wife. She, by the way, she's due to go to the gym in 20 minutes, and I'm babysitting, so um, I'm going to get daggers when I go through there as well. So we'll we'll work with it. What's wrong, dear? Nothing. <laughs> so, no. so does that mean you're not going to give anyone any homework tonight? No homework. You'll get homework Thursday. No homework. Okay, so they're off. By the way, I have, have a thing. I'm going to tell you what the question, your homework for Thursday is. You can have a think about it. Your favourite worst hearts team. Wait, so... <laughs> wait, but is that the homework then, is it? Oh, that's to, for people to think about. Okay, so they don't to have to... About. We're not going to go through them on, on Thursday, Will. No, I just I just give you a heads up. That's what it's going to be on Thursday. Your favourite worst hearts team. Or like your, like, so, your favourite kind of crap hearts team so like doesn't have to be the worst ever because then it's going to be up for debate, oh and it can be it, it can be no just whatever the, you might have had a good memory or a good moment or whatever and i remember i remember nearly missing the supporters bus back from brockville because i'd stayed to the end of the 6-0 game that saw joe jordan <laughs> lose get his jotters um just just that you have memories of that, that's it just just good bad indifferent your your favorite worst hearts team that will be the question posed. You can have a think about it. And if you want to get in touch, feel free. But that will be the question posed on Thursday. So you're getting two or three days before um, we invite applications. Jimmy Sanderson, look at that. How about that? Okay, so it turns out we'll be back later in the week. <laughs> I'm sorry. For um, the this, this second. Give the people what they want. What? Well, let's let's see what they say. Depending, <laughs> on, depending on the feedback to this one, you never know. <laughs> cancelled yes um okay so thank you for for joining me mark for our shorter episode this week um just dissecting that uh, disappointing day at Murrayfield. but we're hoping things will be we're, we're hoping i i don't want to say it shall, shall i say it that it, onwards and upwards don't say it uh, let's no get, uh, let's get. i was gonna say natural order might be no, well, we can talk. We can talk about that on Thursday if we won. Don't tempt fate. You've got a habit of doing that. I've heard your commentaries. Don't tempt fate. Next man, Hudson I'm not taking the blame for any of it. Uh, can, can you um, can you appease my wife? <laughs> yes. When I go through here, she's going to be frustrated. Okay. Um, I will speak to you Thursday. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye, bye, all.